Good evening, everybody. I am so excited to be here. This is one of my favorite topics, how to turn a defiant child into a leader. A lot of times we look at a defiant child as a problem, but before we figure out how to turn a defiant child into a leader, we have to understand what is a defiant child. So by the time a child is seven, eight, nine, sometimes we're so consumed with the behaviors of a defiant child that we forget what the defiant child is. So before we even define what is a defiant child, let's define what is a child. A child is a human being with the potential to bring joy and love to the world, to give a walking, talking, thinking, creating person, an amazing human being. Last week we discussed the idea that we want to embrace every single child as an amazingly valuable human being, and we want to make sure that when we're interacting with our children, it's coming across to them as just that. That when something is hard for them, they don't think that we see them as a problem. Actually, they think that we see them as a very big person who's simply having a challenge right now. And then if we see them in that light, they act accordingly. So now that we understand what a human being is, what is a person, what is a defiant child? So a defiant child is just simply a strong, determined, steadfast personality, like a fiery personality, someone that doesn't budge, someone that has a strong will. And that's what sets that person as, as unique from other kids. Now, many, in many families we'll find this. We'll find that there's one child or two children that are uniquely strong-willed. And you see it from when they're very, very young. Now, all children have certain common characteristics, like the ability to be happy, right? We see that, you know, all newborns when they're six weeks old or eight weeks old are, you know, able to smile. Or let's say we spoke about last week, um, all kids come into this world resilient, right? When a, when a toddler, a young toddler is, you know, nine months or 12 months or more like 15 months, you know, they're trying to get up to walk, they fall down, and they get up again because all kids in the world universally, unless there's a developmental delay, Universally, all human beings come into this world resilient. But this concept of being having a strong personality is unique to strong-willed children. Now, it's not a problem that someone has a strong personality. It's only a problem if we think it's a problem. Now, it does create it could create disturbances in our life, and we're going to get to that in the second portion of this session. It could make things very difficult without a question. But it's not a problem to have a strong personality. All it means is that this person is a leader, that this person has a, the tremendous ability to give. Once they become an adult, they can you know, do, accomplish massive things in the world. And if we're able to tap into their strengths, they can even accomplish massive things when they're a child. So I'm going to use a metaphor of a fire. We are going to think of this strong-willed child as a fire. A fire has a purpose in the world, right? A fire is, you know, was brought into this world to bring warmth into this world. It provides warmth, right? But there are two things that have to happen in order for a fire to be able to give the warmth. First, we have to make sure to nurture the fire properly. I don't know if you ever have seen, you know, sometimes when somebody's making a barbecue, if you watch them intensely or if you know how to do a bar make a barbecue, you see that when they're lighting the fire, when they're lighting the charcoal, they're nurturing it, they're fanning it, they're, they're making sure that it's coming up, right? If they don't do that, we don't get a fire. Then there's the other part of it 
is that they're doing the damage control. They're making sure that the fire stays tame, that the fire is not doing any damage, that the fire is not hurting. But fire in and of itself is not a problem. Fire is a beautiful thing. Fire is only a problem if we only see the damaging part of the fire and we don't see the purpose of fire. Now, every child comes into this world with a unique set of gifts and challenges. And with that unique set of gifts and challenges, they also have a unique purpose. Everybody has what to give to this world. Everybody has a certain talent. Everybody has a certain purpose. Our job as parents, and sometimes when we have very strong-willed children, um, we have this like tailor-made job of figuring out what is the purpose, what is the warmth, what could the child give. And if we make sure that we're doing these two things, that we're nurturing the fire, the strong-willed child in the right way, and at the same time we're also taming it and helping it be proper so that it doesn't do damage, we can raise a beautiful, beautiful human being where we wouldn't even be using the word defiant anymore. Now, a defiant child doesn't need to be made into a leader because a defiant child already is a leader. Again, the only problem is when it disturbs the people around them. Like, let's say, for example, we need them to go to bed or to brush teeth or to be kind or to be responsible just to do typical things that kids their age do. Because they have a very strong personality, they want to be in charge. So when we want to do things, they say no. They say they want to have it their way. So we have to figure out how to give this child many opportunities throughout his or her life to be in charge because that's a very, very real need that is unique specifically to the nature of this child. And I'll give you an example. Tonight I was, we were putting up some shades in my house um, in the kitchen. We got a new shade and we were just deciding which window. We tried one out. Before we bought two, we wanted to just see one and see if it worked and the size was right. And then if it worked, we were just going to you know, order the same one for the other window. So what did I make sure to do? I have a child that also has this strong type of a nature. I asked him which window he thought it would be better in. And then, you know, we decided that maybe we should really try it out on the window that's lower so that tomorrow it's easier for us to clean it. We could clean it first. And then once we clean it, we could put it by the higher one. I was having a whole conversation with him. And my whole intent, my whole purpose in having this conversation with him was simply so that he should feel that his opinion is important, that he has what to contribute, that he is a leader, that he is a decider, that he is a chooser, that he has good ideas. And I'm constantly, constantly having these kind of conversations with this particular child all day throughout the day because he needs opportunities to be in charge. Um, sometimes parents say, like, I'm trying to think of something that my child is good at, and it's hard for them to think. And I tell them right away, every child is good at something. Our job is to figure out what it is. So let's say um, many years ago, I was actually working with a child who was very unsuccessful academically, socially, athletically. And the mother was a very devoted person. So I asked her, what is he good at? She said, he's very good with kids. He was 13 years old at the time. She put together a gorgeous Sunday program for an hour each Sunday for all the neighborhood five and six-year-olds. And the kids came, and then that kept this 13-year-old kid busy with it the whole week. You know, Monday, he was making his plan, his schedule for what to do when the kids come. Tuesday, he was shopping. Thursday, Wednesday, he was setting it up, or whatever he was doing with them, whether it was baking or projects. Or, but he felt like a million dollars because every time a mother dropped a kid off, the mother was thanking him and saying, thank you so much. It helped me so much. I was able to get so much done in my house. 
People want, and all people, not uniquely to strong-willed children, everybody wants to know that they are contributing something to the world, that they are affecting the world around them. Even us as adults, when we interact with people, it's very important for us. We, we all like and enjoy feeling that when we do something nice, it affected somebody in a nice way. So sometimes people will say thank you, and sometimes they won't say thank you. But we could see by the smiles on their face, so we could see by the quality of their life that was made better. And then we feel like we made an impact on the world. Now, I'll just as a side note say that self-esteem is really two things. One is the inherent value, which is a child needs to know. I am 100% valuable, and nothing could ever, 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 ever change that, right? Nothing anybody says, nothing anybody does could ever change that. And the second part of it is that it's a gift that we get to feel our value when we contribute to the world. This strong-willed child needs to contribute in a way where they are making decisions. Whenever it's okay for them to make decisions, you want to put them in a position of making healthy decisions. You want to give that child more choices about things. You know, let's say your other children might not mind if you pick out their clothing. So for this child, it's very important that they match their clothing. So set it up that way. You know, uh, which, uh, which shirt do you want to wear tomorrow? Or things that are healthy for them to choose. Make sure that they're making many, many decisions throughout their life. Let them be leaders. Let them be in charge. Put them in, if the child is organized, but, you know, ask him what he thinks about, you know, how you should organize the pantry. Have him organize the pantry. Whatever the child is good at, make sure that the child is in a position of being a leader because he already is a leader. And if you're not allowing him to tap into his natural gift, he will feel shunned. And when a child feels shunned, we all know that that leads to rebellion. And there is no need for a defiance or a strong-willed child, I should rather say, to be rebellious. comes out as defiant behaviors, but really all it is is a fiery, strong, leadery personality. Okay, now in the second part comes the part that everybody always wants to hear about. What do I do about the damage control? How do I stop my child from doing all these disruptive behaviors? You know, I, I tell the child to get into the bath. You know, and right away I know that what's going to come out of the child's mouth is no, and, you know, I, I just I don't know how to deal with this. What am I supposed to do? Okay, so number one is our job as parents is to guide our children. Now, what is the goal of an effective guide? An effective guide makes the learner into a hero. The goal is not for me to be the hero, me the mother. The goal is for the child to be the hero. I want the child to feel, you know, today and every day of their childhood, and even after 20 years of me raising them, that they are the hero. They came around successful with whatever was difficult for them. Now, in order to guide our children, we have to make sure that we're teaching them. We have to teach them not when they're drowning, not when they're in a difficult moment, not when they're having a tantrum, not when they're saying no. We only teach people when they are in a very, very, very calm mode. I want you to think of a math teacher, right? She gets up in front of the class. She teaches the kids a great lesson about fractions. The kids understand it. They come to the test. They know 80% or 90% of whatever it is that she taught them. And whatever they're missing, she could go and she could remind them what they learned. But how silly would it be if she doesn't teach them anything? She gives them a test. She says, here, the kids don't know the answer. She says, I don't understand why you don't know. How many times am I going to tell you the same thing? Whatever it is that the child is struggling with, and even if it's accepting authority, we need to teach that to our kids formally. How do we teach our kids things? I'm going to give you a technique, one of my favorite techniques. It's called the generalizing technique. When we teach kids how to do something, we don't speak in personal terms. We don't say, um, uh, Joey, you know, you really need to 
accept my authority when I talk to you. We don't say that. Um, it's not something that the child is going to internalize if it's a very strong-willed child. There are some kids that could be receptive to that, but this type of a child needs to know that they were in charge of healthy decisions. So instead, what we're going to say to them is, people who are able to accept authority are much happier than people who aren't. And again, we're not doing this while it's happening. We're doing it during a calm moment. So the kid needs to hear over and over throughout their life that people who accept authority really are actually happier. And I tell kids sometimes, think of kids in your class that are not happy. Don't tell me their names. I don't need to know who they are. I don't want to know who they are. But whoever they are, if they're not happy, I can tell you that they probably have a hard time accepting authority. They probably also think that they have to have whatever they want in their life. We want the kids to know it's healthy to accept authority. It's healthy to not have everything you want in your life. So we speak to them in general terms. People who know that they don't need to have everything that they want in their life and that it's actually good for them not to have everything that they want in their life are much happier than people who think that they should have everything that they want in their life. Okay? So that's how we teach them. We use the generalization technique to teach them. And then what do we do if they forget? What do we do if we taught it? We really did it when they were calm. We taught it again when they were very calm. And now the child is really struggling. Every time you tell the child to do something, the child is saying, no, I don't want to. You know, um, I need you to come upstairs into the bath. No, I'm not getting into the bath now. So you're going to have a conversation with a child that goes like this. Okay? And this, again, is going to happen when you're calm and when the child is calm. I call it the I know you don't mean to conversation. What you're going to say to the child is, I know you don't mean to. When you say no to mommy, it makes me think that you don't care about what I say. Now, parents always wonder, oh, my child's not going to care about that. If you say it in that calm tone with those words, I know you don't mean to, when you say no to mommy, it makes me feel like you don't care about what I say. If you say it like that, what you're sending a message to the child that is, I know that you are capable of caring about somebody else. I know that you are capable of pulling through. I know that you are capable of being responsible and reliable and in tune to what I tell you when I tell you that this is bothering me. Okay? So you have that. I know you don't mean to a conversation with the child. And right after that, you get a commitment from the child. You say to the child, so can you please try to work very hard on that? Because when we get a commitment from a child or from anybody, the likelihood of them following through is much, much greater. So with I know you don't mean to, then you get a commitment. Could you please try to work very hard on um, listening right away when mommy tells you to do something? Okay. Now, you get back into life, you ask, you tell the child, okay, go upstairs, take a bath, whatever it is, and the child doesn't go. So, first of all, make sure when you give instructions to your kids in general that you're very close to them when you give them instructions. We're not giving instructions from across the room. We're going close to them, we're lowering our voice, and we're saying, I need you to get into the bath within one minute. Or we're saying, I need you to put those shoes by the steps right now. Or we say, I need you, let's say if they need to do homework, so we don't say to them, go do homework. We break it up into a smaller task. I need you to put your school bag on the table right now. Now, let's say the child doesn't listen. The wording that you're going to use is you're going to go over to the child very quietly, and you're going to say simply to the child, Joey, Mommy just told you to put your bag on the table. What happened? And again, when you say to the child, what happened, the message that you're sending to the child is, you're a reliable person. I'm just wondering what happened. And a lot of times they'll say things like, oh, I couldn't find it, or I forgot, or I was distracted, or I'm sorry. When you ask it like that, you're not judging them when you ask it. You're not saying, what happened? You're saying, mommy told you to put the, the bag on the table. What happened? 
Like you're just curious, like you're such a capable person and you gave me like your word yesterday, so I'm just wondering what happened. And you'll see that when you say it like that and you're consistent about it, you have to keep on doing it. Five minutes later, you give another instruction and, you know, the child is not, you know, Joey, you, you, told, you told mommy you're really trying very hard to listen when I give you an instruction. What happens? Mommy just told you to do X, Y, Z. Okay? So when you do it that way, kids are much, much, much more receptive to listening. Um, Remember, I'm going to summarize, um, children that have a, uh, you know, what, what people call a defiant child is just a very fiery personality, a very determined child, a child with a strong will, and um, they're not a problem. Sometimes we think they're a problem, but they actually really have a lot to bring to the world, just as every child does. It only presents a problem when they disturb people around them. So we discussed today the idea that we have to make sure that we're nurturing that fire properly and putting the child in charge of a lot of things and letting the child feel in control. And at the same time, we're making sure to tame the fire so that in a very healthy way, the fire has limits. Fires need limits. Children with strong wills need limits also. But we have to make sure that we're doing, giving them the limits in an intelligent way where we're not making them feel threatened. Okay, so I am actually going to open the floor to questions. Okay, so the number is 347-692-9049. Do you have a question? I'm sorry, I'm just learning how to use this thing, so I hope I'm doing it right. Give me one minute. Okay. Okay, um, 718-613-9558. Is that Sarah? Yeah, it's me, Sarah. Okay, hi, I'm Sarah. Do you have any? Sure. It was, it was awesome. I loved what you just uh, taught. It was great. Thank you. Uh, sure. Thank what you. happens when that fiery child, like, abuses the limit, abuses the privileges of, like, being in charge? Like, I'll tell her to set the table, and then to say, oh, he's not getting the good cup because he doesn't deserve it, the brother. Uh-huh. Oh, you, you say and then they take charge and they start bossing the other children around. Yay. Okay, fine. So whenever a child is engaging in any misbehavior, we want to think, what do we need the child to know about life that they don't know? So if a child is bossing others around, we want them to know the concept of you're your own boss. That's what that child is missing. Whenever there's a misbehavior, we always have to think, what skill does the child need? So the skill over there that you're going to use a generalization technique for is that um, children who know that they are their own bosses only and not other people's bosses are much more successful because people like to hang out with them more, it's easier to get along with them, and they're much more happy because they don't have to stress out about watching what other people are doing. So you need to teach that to him or her when you get, when the child is calm and when you're calm. That's the concept so that they're missing. The job, when, you give, when you give them the job to contribute to the world, they're now that abuse it and become the boss. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So you have to outline for the child what, what the mommy makes decisions about in the house and what you make decisions about. So like let's say if I give you a job to set the table, so maybe mommy let you pick out like, you know, which paper plates or whatever you want to use, but mommy, you know, you're not in charge of the other children. Like I'm in charge of the other children, you're in charge of the paper plates. And then you'll teach them to that, you'll teach that to them when you're calm and when the child is calm. You'll say to the child like, you know, this is really important for you to know throughout life. And um, I'm sorry, people who know that 
you're your own boss only are much happier and do much better socially than people who try to boss other people around. Oh, and that's what I want to say is that you should also compliment them when they're starting to set the table and when they're putting the plates out. You want to go over to the child and whisper, see this? This is unbelievable. Not only are you making the table beautiful, but you're also setting an example for the younger children that everyone is their own boss. Like before they have a chance to boss anybody around, everybody's setting an example. You're setting an example that everybody is their own boss. Yeah, nice. Thank you. And you thank them for that. Thank, yeah, they like also when you well, sometimes these kids don't like um, like direct, like wow, you know, I love that. Some kids do, some kids don't. But whenever you thank somebody and you give them that kind of a compliment, like thank you, and you tell them how it's affecting you, it's making the night so smoother, it's making the table so nice, or you're teaching so many nice things to your siblings, that's always appreciated. Okay, I hope I hope that answered your question. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions? Okay, so three four seven six nine two nine zero four nine. Have any questions? I'm going to give out the number. Just give me a moment. There's a number that you call in to ask questions. Give me a second. Okay, so the number you call to ask questions is three one nine five two seven four one six zero three one nine five two seven. Four one six zero. Another thing I wanted to mention is when you give an instruction to a child. Um, we said that you go over to the child very closely, you give the instruction, it's very, very, very important that you walk away from the child after you give the instruction because a lot of parents stick around and they just wait for the child not to listen and the child feels the vibes of that message. They look at the child, they say, I need you to go upstairs into the bath and the parent is waiting there. Why is the parent waiting there? Because they believe that the child is not going to cooperate. No, we don't do that. We, get, we go close to the child, we give the instruction, we walk away as if we expect the child to listen and then if the child doesn't listen, we go back and we say, what happened? Also make sure that when you give instructions that they're very um, clear and deliberate, not wishy-washy. Like you don't want to say things like, are you going to get ready for bed? You do want to say to the child, it's time now to get ready for bed. You don't want to say, do you want to help me find the clothes? You say, I need you to help me find the clothes. You don't want to say, would you please set the table? You say, I need you now to set the table. Kids need to know that when we give them instructions, we actually expect them to follow. Okay, I have... Um, 917-796-5401. Do you have a question? Hi, I, I can't hear you. If you could just talk a little louder, I'm sorry. Hi. Um, do you hear me? Wait one second. I can, um, I'm, having, I'm hearing like two people at the same time. One, I hear, talk again. Hi. Do you hear me? Yes. Yes, I hear you now. Very well. Hi. Um, I'm wondering how you deal with um, a defiant child that responds to you with disrespect, um, just talking back disrespectfully like, no, mommy, that's not how it works. 
or how old is the child? What? How old is the child? The child is seven years old. Okay, so you have to do two things. So number one is you have to go back and think to yourself, did my child ever get any formal education about how people who accept authority are happier than people who don't? He probably doesn't know. It's a girl or a boy? A boy. A boy. Okay, he probably doesn't know that. Most kids grow up thinking, unfortunately, that they're better off doing everything that they want their way. But the truth is, even if you look at adults around you, and I point in this direction often all the time to my own kids. I say, like, like let's say there's a guy, you know, my kids uh, witness somebody while I'm driving screaming and cursing while he's driving. So I'll say, oh, wow, 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 poor guy. Look what happens to people that think they have to have everything their way. Like, we see how miserable he is. Or, you know, people who know that they have to accept authority and not have things their way, are actually much happier than people who don't accept authority. So he, he he needs to get that formal education starting now very, very loud and clear. You want it, you want him to know that. You want to tell him plenty of stories, you know, about um, adults that know how to accept authority and that are very happy. You know, there was somebody, she was once struggling with something in her life and, you know, because she knew that she should go speak to an expert about it, um, she was able to recover from what, whatever was very difficult for her, you know, or sometimes um, even medically, People are not willing to listen to doctors, and then it gets them into trouble. But, you know, people mm -hmm. that listen to doctors and do things a certain way, and they are able to accept authority and listen to the expert, live much more happy and productive lives. So number one is you need the formal education on it, and number two is you must have, after you give the formal education, you have to wait like three, four days after you're really giving formal education with review for three, four days. And again, it's generalizing. You're not speaking to him directly. Then you also have mm -hmm. to have the conversation of, I know you don't mean to. I know you don't mean to, but when you say, well, what does he say exactly? I don't have to listen. Um, a lot of things, a lot of things, right. but the, so the say thing it. that's right. coming to my head is, yeah, just, ma, no, ma, that's not how it works. Like, when right, exactly. how something it, should go, it's like, no, no, you can't exactly. tell me that. That's not how exactly. it works. <laughs> right, so you're going <laughs> to, okay, he's so quite, a very, a very <laughs> warm fire. <laughs> not just a fire, a very, very warm fire. <laughs> So you're going to say to him, I know you don't mean to. When you say to me, no, mommy, that's not how it works, it makes me feel like, um, like, you, like you don't care about what I say or like you think that you don't have to listen to me. And that just sends the message that, of course, you do. Again, you're going to lower your voice. It's going to be just you and him. You're not going to be judgmental at all. You're not upset with him when you say it's the, the same matter of fact as, oh, you probably didn't realize, like you have something stuck to the bottom of your shoe. Like that's how matter of fact the conversation is. You could even smile when you say it, give him a warm smile, and then you get the commitment from him. Can you please try to stop? You also want to just make sure that with these kind of kids, it's very important that they see that you're getting your truths from an objective source. In other words, he's going to say it doesn't have to be that way. By the time he's a teenager, that's going to translate into, you know, who made that up? Like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? So you want to make sure that you're accepting authority in your life and that you have an objective standard of values so that he's able to accept it more. Okay, I understand that. Thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, sure, sure. Pleasure. I should hang up, hello? Yeah, you can listen on if you want to stay on for anyone else's questions. Um, I'm going to say the phone number again for questions. It's 319-527-4160, 319-527-4160. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh. Um, I feel like I catch myself threatening a lot. After I say to get in the bath a bunch of times and they don't listen, I find myself saying, get in the bath or we're going to lose the book, or get in the bath or you can't have ices. 
Is there right? Any so yeah, now the replacement. So now, now the replacement for that is going to be what happened. Um, I don't really like to use the word punishment just because it, I'm not saying that there's no consequences for things in life. Like, obviously, if you didn't eat your dinner, you know, the ices that I was planning to give out, like, you know, that's not happening. I, that goes without saying. But I'm just saying, like, the concept of punishing a child, you know, really just kind of shows the child, like, I'm, the, the authority figures try to exert control over people, you know, like punitive, like mean control. So what we want to do instead, if it does come to a point where you had the what happened, you gave the formal education, you have the I don't mean to conversation with them, you ask them repeatedly for a few days what happened in a very quiet tone, and they're still doing it, so then you want to have with them the let's think together conversation. The let's think together conversation is really basically coming up with a consequence, meaning like let's think together, you know, like mommy and you discussed this a few days ago, and I, I really asked you if you could try to work very hard on it, and it seems like it is hard, and I see that you're forgetting. Let's think together. In other words, like, for some reason, this is hard for you. For some reason, when we're trying to tame the fire over here together, because we love this warm fire, it's the fire is, so what do we have to do? We have to just, in a matter of fact, wait, figure out what to do. Maybe the wind is blowing this way, and we need to turn the barbecue around. Whatever it is, but let's think together. And then when you say let's think together, the child thinks, Things, okay, my mother's not trying to punish me. She's just treating me like I'm a very respectable human being that's not following through. So we're going to think about this together. Beautiful. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. If anybody ever wants to email me, my email address is TammySassoon at gmail.com. It's T-A-M-M-Y-S-A-S-S-O-O-N at gmail.com. Um, you can go through my website also. It's TammySassoon.com. And I always love questions. I always love to answer people. Um, this really is, by the way, one of my favorite topics because I think I was considered a very defiant child when I was a kid. <laughs> and I just felt like there were certain adults that really were able to reach me. And I just loved watching what did they do. Like once I became 19, 20, I started to look at the patterns and see like what did these people do? Like how come they were able to reach me even though everybody else like saw me as you know, like let's say um, a less valuable human being just because I, I was a very, very, very strong personality. So in any, you know, if you take a look at re the good relationship books, they all say the same things. So in any successful relationship, you know, specifically when someone's in a relationship with this strong personality, if they're doing well, it's because they're handling it a certain way. So we want to make sure that we're doing it in that expert way. Okay, I see another caller, 917-623-5005. Do you have a question? Hi. Yeah. Hi. Um, when it comes to, like, older children having responsibility, especially a very strong-willed child, what is considered, like, normal for, let's say, a 10-year-old boy when it comes to, like, you know, being responsible for younger siblings or showing a good example, things like that. And sometimes mm. I feel like I want him to be so independent and I want him to use his leadership skills, but I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm pushing him too far too fast because, like, okay. he gives so, me a lot of pushback. Okay, so I would say, like, the the magic formula for that is if I'm doing it, if I'm giving the child responsibility because I'm overwhelmed, it's not healthy for the child. If I'm giving the child responsibility because it's good for him, so then that would be a good place to start. And, and the formula for it is that you always want to give 
something that's a drop challenging, meaning like if it's hard for the child to watch the three-year-old for 10 minutes, so then you're going to ask the child to watch the three-year-old for five minutes until, you know, a year or two later he can be able to build it up and be able to do more and more. But you want him to be in a position where he's doing something that's just a little bit, just a little bit challenging, like enough for it to be fun for him and enjoyable experience for him. But if we're doing it because we're overwhelmed, which sometimes we do find ourselves doing, um, then it's not healthy. Then, then we really need to figure out how to take care of our own needs or the fam family's needs in different adult ways, not through the child. Right. Okay. I hear what you're saying. Like get other help in the house and things like exactly. that. Exactly. Exactly. But even exactly. if we have all that in place, like in my particular circumstance, like I do actually have that in place. Like, right. But so why do you want to give the pipe that we love to be like spoiled and whatever? And, and in a way, it's just, I just want yeah, to have that oh, for him. in you're the long for run. Him. For him. You think for yeah. him? Oh, yeah, yeah. For him, you definitely want to give him things that, you know, are a little bit challenging. For him, for sure, the best thing for him is to give him things that are just a little bit challenging. Like, let's say he, um, you know, he doesn't want to set, you know, the, you know, the table, like every single part of it, like the plates, the cups, the forks, the napkins, everything. So you would say to him, um, I need you to put out the plates and the cups. You know, and like even if he's not wanting to do it, you still know that it's good for him. You could still have a let's thing together conversation, like, you know, um, we, this is how we, even though you're doing it because it's good for him, you want to say to him, like, you know, everybody, in our family needs to contribute certain responsibilities. That's how, you know, a family operates happily. Like, let's just think together. I know you don't like to set the table. Um, is there something else that you would like to do instead? But it is good for him. One of the things you also want him to know, you know, when you're doing formal education, which it sounds like he might be missing, is that givers and doers are happier people. If you look around at adults, adults that think that they should sit back and do nothing. I mean, what's the American dream? The American dream is that by the time you're 65, you're going to do nothing. That is, like, right, so right. dreadful. I, I always say, like, our great-grandmothers would be turning over in their graves if they knew what the American dream was today. What? To be 65, retire, and do nothing for 30 years? You know, so it's... It, it, and, and people are wondering why depression is on the rise in America because people that are givers and doers are happier. It doesn't mean that they don't relax. It doesn't mean that they don't recharge their battery. Of course not. But for the most part, people that are energized to give and to do and to contribute and to bring joy are much happier. So he's missing that. So you want to teach that to him when you're doing formal education. Again, you're not saying to him, you need to be more of a giver and a doer, but you're just talking to your kids, even in front of your other kids, he needs to hear often that, you know, people that give and do are happier than people that think that they shouldn't give and do. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Okay. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for joining. Um, it will be available, I believe, as a podcast on SinaiRadio.com. And stay tuned for next week's topic. Good night, everybody.